Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. After a brief hiatus last week because, well, I was stuck on 70 in traffic and we really didn't have any time to record on Thursday, but uh, fortunately... Horwat did not bite my head off, so we are back for a new episode here on a Tuesday in the middle of July, which means there's not very much to talk about surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins. But you know what we haven't done in a while, Horwat? We've kind of steered clear of it a little bit. Let's just talk about Eric Carlson. I mean, obviously, there's no real news on the Eric Carlson front. I've seen a bunch of people say that, hey, the Penguins and the Hurricanes, here's the news. They are the final two teams in they have been for the past week and a half. Uh, they they were last Tuesday when I think I made the same joke. So I'm Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horwat. We're talking Eric Carlson. Horwat, it's been a, a little bit of a time coming because we've just kind of avoided it a little bit, uh, waiting for news that just hasn't come. Yeah, and sometimes you just have to wait it, wait things out just to see the full result, and then you're able to discuss it, dissect it, and give genuine reactions to things. Whereas I mean, this is much like the GM search. Uh, it's all kind of, not hit a standstill, but slowed to a walking pace. And mm-hmm. things are not, I don't want to say not close to the finish line, but there's a lot of, it's a lot of a poker game. I forget who, I think it was Elliot Friedman referred to it as a poker game. Someone, everyone's just kind of waiting for the first person to fold. Um, or to up the ante and do whatever they need to do. It's just the waiting game. The Penguins and the Hurricanes are reportedly the last two teams in there, unless you're Frank Saravalli, then you believe there are more. Uh, Frank Saravalli <laughs> doesn't seem to ever want the Penguins to have anything nice, but that's just the, that's just from what I have um, seen from him in recent uh, memory. But regardless, the Penguins are in. Apparently, uh, Carlson would prefer the Penguins, which is kind of a... I mean, that's not a huge push, but that's something. That's not, that's not nothing, and... It's just going to come down to whose price tag fits the best among these three teams. Yeah, you mentioned it perfectly early on there. You said the Penguins GM search really kind of stopped for Kyle Dubas. Penguins offseason has stopped once again, this time for Eric Carlson. But it's an interesting 
thing when looking at this deal because you look at a player that is a three-time Norris Trophy winner, most recently this past season, scored over 100 points on, yes, a bad San Jose Sharks team, so he was able to freewheel because they really didn't care that much about playing defense because they knew they weren't going to win anything. But you look at this deal, and the one thing that I, I mentioned and I put out a Penguins to go about it is you have to tread carefully because you don't want to overpay. You don't want to get into a bidding war because the Pittsburgh Penguins don't have the assets to be in a bidding war. That's the one thing that, at least the way it feels as of right now, is it's not becoming that. It feels like the Sharks are waiting for something like that, but that both the Penguins and the Carolina Hurricanes are content to sit back and say, we're not driving the price up for each other because at the end of the day, Eric Carlson is 33 years old. He does have an $11.5 million cap hit, which, yes, there's going to be salary retention, but that's all built into the deal. So why are they going to build up a bidding war between two teams when the player is not worth all these astronomical packages that I've seen out there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like the fact that both the Penguins and the Hurricanes are are standing their, their ground and saying, listen, we're not getting into a bidding war, and it seems as if it's at a standstill right now, which means Dubas and Don Waddell are both looking at this and saying, listen, we would love to have Eric Carlson, and we'll talk about where he could fit on the Pittsburgh Penguins here in a minute. But at the end of the day this deal needs to make sense. Like, you were not trading for 23-year-old Eric Carlson before he got stepped on by Matt Cook and his Achilles. Like, you're trading for 33-year-old Eric Carlson with a monster contract. So, I'm glad that as of now, it seems like there's not actually a bidding war as much as just the San Jose Sharks trying to figure out which deal is best and getting as much as possible, even though it teams aren't jumping head over tails back and forth between each other. And that's perfectly fine, because like you mentioned, it is Eric Carlson. It is 33-year-old Eric Carlson who makes $11.5 million against the cap annually. Throw in there the injury history. That Achilles thing is still beating him up. I mean, he can't turn whichever way it is. I forget. He can't pivot. Left. Yeah. Whichever way it is, he can't pivot. Whatever he, way. Also, it, what also, what that also does is that affects the way he plays his own position he scored 102 points on the san jose sharks that's all well and dandy that's actually phenomenal only five players have ever done that 15 times in history um and now he's one of them but he also isn't phenomenal at playing defense as a defenseman i mean maybe people are you know not looking at his defensive acumen the right way because he plays with the sharks uh, and, you know, they weren't super worried about playing defense. Clearly, you saw this defense and put up 100 points. But you still have to be able to play defense, right? That's just what you have to do. Um, and he can't demand that much of a return because of the injury history, age, and price tag. And also, that, the, the, the whole point of his position. Now he helps out in so many different ways that it's kind of a moot point. But it's still something to take into account here because assuming the Penguins get this deal done, Jeff Petrie has to be going the other way. I mean, not yeah. that Jeff Petrie had a phenomenal season. He definitely has had better. At least we know he can play defense better than Eric Carlson, right? Defense, not yes. the game of hockey, but defense. Yes, yes. He, he is a better defender than Eric Carlson, but like you mentioned, uh, Eric Carlson is not a complete and utter sieve on defense. Correct. He's just not what he used to be, and he's not what you would consider a defensive defenseman. But again, so too is Chris Letang, right? Mm -hmm. And 
let's let's not be mistaken here. The price tag is going to be hefty for Eric Carlson, whoever lands him, whether that's Carolina, whether that's Pittsburgh, whether this draws into the regular season and another team gets involved because they get an injury or something happens. The price tag is going to be hefty. But the point needs to stand that the price tag can't keep going up. And it seems as if that's where the Pittsburgh Penguins and Carolina Hurricanes are currently sitting, while the Sharks are just not happy uh, with where the price tag is for both teams. So uh, that's that's a little dissection of where the deal is at as of right now. Um, but let's also talk a little bit about hypotheticals, because we've been doing that a lot in July, because that's really what it is. It's silly season. A lot of the news has died down. You talk about hypotheticals. You talk about what could happen in the season. So if the Pittsburgh Penguins pull this off, or what, where would Eric Carlson play when he came to the 4-1-2? So uh, your immediate reaction, everyone immediate, everyone's immediate reaction to this <clears throat> would have to be, Second line behind Eric or behind Crystal Tang, pretty much essentially flipping out Jeff Petrie for Eric Carlson. He's gonna play that second line right side. He's gonna play the second power play unit. The more you think about it, though, and the more you look at it, and I think Josh Yowie put it in his most recent piece. Crystal Tang is perfectly fine of surrendering his quarterbacking duties on the first power play unit at this age. He they, he's. Played a thousand games. It's won three cups. He just wants to win more cups. That's all it's come down to. Um, so I don't know if Eric Carlson plays on the first line necessarily. He might. You know, it went with. I would still stick with Pedersen. I think. You know, it's an underrated thing that they're both from Sweden, and they could <laughs> probably make great magic together. Um, but it's that power play unit, and that's the big. That's a big part of Eric Carlson's game. I think Crystal Tang would be perfectly okay with surrendering surrendering that spot um, and giving Carlson at least the first power play unit, first of all. And let's just say things go downhill and very weird. Hey, you got two great defensive options on your first power play unit. Um, it's There's a lot of intrigue that could go in. I would say he ends up probably getting second line just because uh, this team, he gets the second line with still with Patterson, probably go... Uh, Latang Graves on one, uh, and then first power play unit quarterback duties. Mm-hmm. That'd be my decision at least. Yeah, and it's weird because you know I've seen some discourse about mm-hmm. you know first pairing, second pairing. Does Carlson go over Latang in the lineup? Doesn't really make a difference at five on five. <laughs> it, it really doesn't because at the end of the day, you look at ice time as who's your first pairing, second pairing, and I feel like. When you have, whether it's Graves, Latang, Graves, Carlson, or Pedersen, Latang, Pedersen, Carlson, no matter what the conglomeration of those four are, it's probably going to be pretty even when it comes to five-on-five ice time. And it's going to be obviously a case-by-case, night-by-night basis, because some nights you might play penalty kill, or you might be on the penalty kill much more than you're on the power play. And let's face it, Eric Carlson's not going to play very much, if any, penalty kill. And Latang might. So then Latang probably gets more ice time that night. You might play power play more, and maybe Carlson gets more power play ice time. Like, that special teams is where there's going to be a difference and where there's an actual discussion to be had. But five on five, if the Penguins post that graphic at the beginning of the night and it says Graves Latang is the number one unit, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to play the most ice time and be deployed in that game as the number one unit. So I'm not all concerned about that. Uh, I think that... Personally, I agree with you that Pedersen and Carlson would be a much better 
duo uh, when it comes to who to match up with who. But the the power play becomes interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there was that piece you mentioned by Yoey that, you know, Latang he just wants to win. He can give up that. I wouldn't hate seeing both of them That'd be fun. on the ice. Right? The Penguins have had a revolving door on the left half wall since Phil Kessel left. I mean, we've seen it filled by some pretty successful players, or by players that have succeeded in that role, I should say. Uh, Jared McCann was really good in 2019 in that role. Evan Rodriguez excelled in that role at the beginning of the season where he went off for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, But we've also seen Brian Rust not really fit the mold there, despite still being a very talented goal scorer. We've seen Ricard Raquel. Yes, it kind of worked, but not to the level that it did with the, the, the names that I mentioned prior. Maybe you put a guy like Eric Carlson there because he does have just elite ability when it comes to vision on the ice, when it comes to passing on the ice. He is an elite playmaker, and putting him and Latang out there... Is it too many cooks in the kitchen, or is it just what the Pittsburgh Penguins need? I like that idea, at least to see what happens, because you can't you can't leave that stone unturned. Like that that power play would be ridiculous if you have Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang, and Carlson. That's that's just unfair, just flat out. But I I do wonder if they decide to to go with the one quarterback power play system, I know that people have mentioned that Jeff Petrie did take over at times for Chris Letang last year. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that would look like if Carlson came in and became the quarterback right away. Because then it's it's okay, yeah, maybe we need to see it, but I I don't know. I, I'm not sure. It, it doesn't strike me that Letang would be somebody that's protective over that spot. Uh, but hockey players are competitive, man, and. and you never know how that's going to work out when you introduce a new element into it. Yeah, they're going to be competitive, but like I mentioned, it's what does Latang have left to play for at this point? It's just winning more. A cup. And whatever yeah. it takes, he'll likely uh, be the true leader that he is and take the step back and understand what uh, needs to happen for the right teams to win and for the right <clears throat> uh, pieces to go in the right spots. And... It's it could sound like too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, there is only one puck to go around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what this does is suddenly it makes your <clears throat> if you're just if you're just doing Carlson on the on the back end of power play one and you're putting Latang on two, that makes two a much more of a threat too. That makes the second unit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they get forty five seconds usually. Uh, but <laughs> if it, that, yeah, yeah. But that makes them also a viable threat you have carlson back there i would assume if you're not doing both both of them on the first raquel's on the first so uh who's on the second we already have latang on the back end we'll get into the center discussion because that is iffy Mm -hmm. Uh, but you got brian rust down there um i'm suddenly forgetting every single player on this team (laughs) (laughs) just because you know off season but you have Brian Rust down there. Riley Smith is a newcomer that has offensive ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Alex Nylander sees some time because he is an, a very good offensive-minded player. Uh, you have the options. You can easily throw names out there uh, uh, on the second unit and make that a threatening line. Uh, but uh, you know, in if if you do both Carlson and Latang on power play one, on well, power play two, you mean. Don't underestimate what P.O. Joseph can do on that on that unit. Uh, maybe Ty Smith is in the lineup, and maybe he's quarterbacking that unit with names I had already mentioned. So 
there's options here. It's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, there's only one one puck to go around. Yeah, but they're all viable answers. They're all answers that I go, yes, that looks good to me. Yeah, yeah, and I think the big thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins too that you know, when that happens, a lot of the time the Penguins power play, especially last season, they would fail to score, they would lose momentum. And then all of their their talented offensive players were just on the ice for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe in this scenario, you can go on the power play, even if your power play does not look good. With Eric Carlson as number one and Chris Letang sitting on the bench, you can ride out your your number one defense pairing with two minutes of, of rest to continue that momentum with Letang and Graves. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of options there. There's a lot to dissect, and of course we'll dissect more of it if the Penguins are able to go out and land Eric Carlson. But for the meantime, I mean, it would be interesting to see how Chris Letang would react to that because he has been the undoubted, unquestioned, unchallenged number one really since Sergei Gonchar left. There were you know, a, a couple of years there where Justin Schultz was really good on the right side for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but when Chris Letang was healthy... There was no question who the number one defenseman on the right side was. It was still Chris Letang, um, even if Schultz had outperformed him, especially offensively in the uh, 2016. Was it? He, I know 2017 Schultz because Letang was out. Schultz was really good for the Penguins, but uh, it does get interesting if Carlson is introduced, and how immediate that transition would happen, and where players would be uh, placed. But we do want to talk really quickly about. Who the Penguins could target if they don't land Eric Carlson in the next couple of weeks? Horwat, what are some names that you would look at, and what do you think would have to happen for them to be able to bring in some of these names? Yeah, so it, first of all, the real big caveat here is, is everyone waiting for that second buyout window to open up to make things easier on the uh, salary cap situation for the Penguins? The only downside of that is, we have to wait the longest. They scheduled Drew O'Connor's hearing for August fourth, which uh, is not early in that in that situation. No. That is the last possible day. So, yeah. you know, it, if the Hurricanes are real serious about the deal, they would they'd be smart to get it done sooner rather than wait until the Penguins have that opportunity. That being said, <clears throat> who are some other options? I keep falling to Matt Dumba. Because he's still an option that is out there somehow, some way. He's a great right-hand shot defenseman. I don't know if he brings the same sort of offensive acumen that no, Eric Carlson quite. brings, <laughs> but um, he seems he seems like he would be um, the first go-to if you miss out on a guy like Eric Carlson. He's got some youth left in him. He's definitely um, a name that knows what to do in the NHL. And it's interesting that he hasn't signed already. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's coming off of a, a deal that earned him $6 million. But, I mean, <clears throat> I doubt he can hit that again just for sake of price tag. I don't know exactly what would need to clear out for the Penguins to do something like this. Yeah, Jeff Petrie, that's... obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe a Grandland buyout helps. But I would say he's the first option, but that's something that you would have to know quickly. If Carlson's not your, if Carlson's not landing here, you would have to know that pretty quickly because Matt Dumb is a guy that could get scooped up at any second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, obviously there's 
issues with the salary cap in Minnesota that are preventing them from bringing him back, you know, named Ryan Suter and Zach Parise still haunting the halls up there at XL Energy Center. But Matt Dumba, to me, obviously, would love to see the Penguins have him at right-hand D2 over over Jeff Petrie, just Mm -hmm. a better option in general. Um, But like you mentioned, the Penguins don't have the cap space now, and if they don't go through with the Carlson trade, which... You know, there's a chance that it doesn't happen. There's, I mean, as of right now, probably what 50 50, even though Carlson would prefer to come to the Penguins. I mean, nobody really knows. Um, right. But Matt Dumba, while it would be a great option for the Pittsburgh Penguins, there's a lot that has to go right. Even if you get, you know, Mikhail Granlin's contract off the books, that's $4 million. Is Dumba really going to take a $2 million pay cut at the age of 28 when he's potentially looking for his last big payday? Is it something where we've seen it happen multiple times this offseason already? He signs a one-year deal because, hey, the salary cap is supposed to jump next season, play somewhere that has a good team in the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's a team that's, as of right now, middle of the ground, potentially a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Goes there, has a good season, high visibility on the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's another thing that you know we don't talk about a lot. The Penguins are on the national stage a good bit. Yeah. If you want to make money, you perform in Pittsburgh, you're going to make money because there's high visibility with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So maybe that's something where he says, hey, I'll take a one-year deal, I'll take a little bit less money, but the Penguins are still going to have to create more than, I think, the Grandland buyout if that's the only way that they can do it. And you mentioned it, Jeff Petrie probably has to go for any of these names that we we mention uh, to become a Pittsburgh Penguin. A name that I look at is somebody that just hit the market, and that's uh, Anthony D'Angelo. It would certainly get interesting in the Metropolitan Division. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's already played for the Rangers, the Hurricanes, and most recently the Philadelphia Flyers. He was actually forced to play a little bit more defense in Philly last season. His numbers (laughs) dropped a bit because of that. I mean, because if you look at the previous couple seasons beforehand, he had, I think one year he had 68% or 65% offensive zone start percentage. Last year that dropped to uh, just over 50%. So he was forced to play more defense because he was playing on a, a bottom of the league Philadelphia Flyers team. And yes, his numbers did drop because of that, but he's still somebody that would bring more of an offensive punch than Jeff Petrie did. He would somebody that would bring certainly headlines to the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> on, on a more consistent basis. I think it would be an interesting, from a hockey standpoint and keeping it strictly hockey, it would be an interesting signing that would fill a hole if the Pittsburgh Penguins, again, would be able to get rid of Jeff Petrie in the meantime. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you, too, because keeping this strictly a hockey discussion, um, he's a good offensive puck mover, too. I mean, look at the last two seasons. This past year, he played 70 games with the Flyers, had 42 points, 30, 31 of them assists. That's on the Flyers. He was a minus 27, so that really showed. But jump to the se- the previous season, Carolina Hurricanes, great team, off an offensive, an offensively gifted team. He had fifty one points, forty one of them assists, a plus thirty. The guy knows how to play hockey. Clearly, mm-hmm. do other things get in the way? You could say that. I think you could say <laughs> that quite a bit. But you know, you these are. Phenomenal numbers for a puck-moving defenseman. He had 38 assists uh, in a season with the Rangers. He had, I mean, in his rookie season, 14 uh, points in 39 games with the Arizona Coyotes. That's not bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no doubting his hockey skill. And this is where, in a situation like this, I mean, sure, his issues aren't going to be forgotten by many of a fan, but... If he can bring offense and help your team win, 
I mean, I'm not saying put his issues aside, but look at what he can do to help your team. And if he is a changed man, which we don't really know yet, no one's really asked him about it, <laughs> but if he's you know on the right course and if Kyle Dubas looks at him and thinks, I can fix him, well then, you know, you never know. It's There's a lot of weird things that would go into 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 a Tony D'Angelo signing mm-hmm. for, for from a hockey standpoint it's also a great option yeah if you want to test your you know climate and you want to test your what is, what's the word I'm looking for here culture your locker mm-hmm. room culture if you want to test the leadership of, of Crosby and Malkin which has you know been tested a couple times then uh you bring in Tony D'Angelo and you say you know what this is not a young team this is a team of veterans. This is a team of winners uh, for the most part. Uh, you look at their leadership core. There's a lot of winners involved in that. And you say, listen, you come here, get your head on straight, play hockey, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. if you want Tony D'Angelo the player, you're going to obviously have to deal with Tony D'Angelo the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a level of, you mentioned, you know, can Kyle Dubas say, oh, I can fix him? It's at the end of the day, it's it's not up to Kyle Dubas. That's up to Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust, and the leaders in that room. So uh, that would certainly be interesting. But for the skill and the talent-wise, uh, it is certainly somebody that, you know, if, if Eric Carlson falls through, Tony D'Angelo would not be a bad contingency plan on the ice. Uh, the only other name that I really took for anything that's remaining on the free agent market is Ethan Bear, the only unfortunate Part about that is he's uh, recovering from a shoulder surgery, might be out until November, December. Uh, not sure on his recovery di- time, but he did have a decent season last year in Vancouver. Yeah, and I like Ethan Bear as an option too. I just <clears throat> was able to pull up another name or two so we can get into them in a minute. But Ethan Bear is another solid young option who, yeah, coming off a shoulder surgery. But you know what the Penguins still have that can make up for waiting on Ethan Bear? We still have a surplus of defensemen at the NHL level. Yeah. So let's say we take an Ethan Bear signing. Uh, he's out until December. All right. Chad Ruedel, Mark Friedman, Ty Smith. Yeah. Uh, we have names that can still play at the NHL level. Um, yeah. If you need to take a flyer on an injured player for this sort of situation, go for it. I don't think that's an awful idea. And Ethan Bear is a name that I had listed as well at one point. So mm-hmm. there's many, many names that could still work, especially in the free agent market. But um the trade market's also got a got a couple of interesting names. Okay. Um, according to Dan Kangursky of Pittsburgh Hockey Now, the Penguins have already kind of been involved in Matt Grizzlick as a backup plan. Uh, that's a name that's out there. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we kind that kind of faded after a little while. Uh, remember when we were in on or reportedly in on Noah Hannafin? Now I yeah. know he plays the left side, but he hasn't been dealt yet. I mean. Maybe do some other juggling. Like I just said, we yeah. have a surplus of NHL-ready defensemen. Yeah. Screw it. You miss out on Carlson? Noah Hannafin's an option for the left side. Now you're really filtering things in and out. Sure, you still have to figure out Petrie. Maybe Jan Ruta is all of a sudden your second-line defender. But you make things work. You make other adjustments. And Noah Hannafin's an option. And if not him, again, still a left-side guy. But also from Calgary, Nikita Zadorov. A name. That there are options out there. There are options out there for the, if you don't get Carlson and you still want to make changes to uh, the defensive core. Yeah, my only thing, and listen, nothing against Noah Hannafin. <laughs> nothing against Noah Hannafin. I think the Penguins would be smart to have Noah Hannafin on the roster. 
when I look at the Penguins' left side, to me, why change what isn't broken? Now, I get it, you, unless you need to fix the right side because the right side's broken. Take from a strength to address a weakness is not always the best course of action, but when I look at the Penguins' left side right now, Ryan Graves, Marcus Pedersen, P.O. Joseph, and then if you want to get into the depth, Ty Smith and Mark Friedman. That is a strong left side. Yeah, it is. I look at the right side. Chris Letang, Jeff Petrie, Jan Ruda, Chad Ruweedle. That needs some work. That needs some work. Really, again, if the Penguins take part of that left side, whether that's POJ or whether that's Ty Smith and included in an Eric Carlson deal, then your right side becomes Latang, Carlson, Ruda, Ruweedle, then the defense looks much better. So... I don't know about adding another left-shot defenseman. Uh, Hannafin would be an upgrade over Pedersen, but at the same time, who else are you shipping out in order to get that deal done uh, becomes the question for me. But no, uh, there are options for the Pittsburgh Penguins, both in the trade market, as you had mentioned, and in free agency. But again, it's a lot of wheeling and dealing. And with it already being July 18th, it feels like it, you know it's getting late in the offseason, despite it not getting late at all in the offseason, simply because most people are done by August with their roster transactions. Uh, it's going to be an interesting wave of moves here because there is a bunch of things that haven't happened yet. Remember when we were talking about, man, there's a lot of goaltenders and really good goaltenders that are on the trade market this year. Not a single one has been traded. So... <laughs> What is going to happen in the next two months leading up to training camp? Like, are all these goaltenders staying still? Is Connor Hellebuck really going to be on the Winnipeg Jets again next year? Is John Gibson really going to go back to Anaheim, even though he said he doesn't want to? Like, what is everybody waiting for this Eric Carlson trade against all 32 teams? I don't know. Uh, It's a weird offseason. The salary cap only went up a million dollars. And teams are in a weird position right now, the Penguins included. So, yes, there are other options out there to upgrade the Penguins' defense. Yes, I think the Penguins' defense still needs upgraded. Adding Ryan Graves was great, but Mm -hmm. potentially need to do a little bit more than that. Uh, But it is going to be an interesting offseason, and it all seems to hinge on when and if Eric Carlson is dealt to either the Penguins or the Hurricanes. Yeah, and I think it, it, it looks like everyone... It's just kind of waiting for that sweet spot where there is just no reporters, no news person working. And <laughs> Everybody's on comes, the beach. And everyone's on the beach at the cabin, just on vacation. And here comes all of the moves that uh, no one's going to report on or be able to report mm-hmm. on or have to work on vacation. That'll be a ton of fun for everybody. Uh, but no, it, no, also, the longer this goes on, the more I just go, or I think... <clears throat> You know, let's just get it done and let's just screw it. Let's have fun. Send off. (laughs) Send (laughs) off whoever. Let's just. People are not looking. I mean, yeah, Kyle Dubas wants to build the team for the future as well. Man, we're not going to be a good team. The Penguins are not going to be a good team in the very near future. And why not just wheel and deal zero defensemen, defensive defensemen, and just play goofy hockey? Why not? Hey, we, if it helps you win some games, if it doesn't, I don't know. I We'll get into that a little bit more in a minute, I'm sure, too. Yeah, we do have a bunch of listener questions um, because we didn't have a, a podcast on Thursday. We have a couple stocked up from then. We had a couple sent over the weekend. We will get to all four of those listener questions that came in over the weekend after this break. And the first one 
still involves Eric Carlson. So uh, hold on because we have more EK65 news or discussions uh, to come. We will be right back right after this. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, an affiliate of the Hockey News. We're going to get into our listener questions. We had a bunch and we didn't have an episode, so that's what we're going to devote the rest of this show to. And it is going to be a little bit of a longer show because we didn't have one last Thursday. Uh, Trying to make sure you get your Pittsburgh Penguins fix uh, here on the third week of July, whatever it is. I mean, the offseason just starts to blend together. Um, But let's start by talking about a question coming in from Gunnar Murphy on Twitter. He said the reported ask for Eric Carlson, uh, he didn't say where the reported ask was from, So, um, but the reported ask that he is aware of for Eric Carlson is two first-round picks, Jeff Petrie, Mikhail Granlin, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, and first-round pick from last year's draft, Owen Pickering. Would you be willing to make this trade with retained salary? I, I, <clears throat> all the way through it, I'm working with it, I'm working with it, I'm working with it, and then you hit Pickering, and I just that's kind of where I get some pause. But like, I mean, like I just mentioned, um, screw it. You're not going to have a good team in a couple years anyway. Why not fire away on whatever, uh, whatever you're willing to, whatever you're willing to take, especially if it includes. Petrie and Granlund, as we just discussed, Drew O'Connor's arbitration case opening up that second buyout window. Um, if you're just if if there's a team willing to take Granlund just straight up, absolutely. I think you kind of have to dig into your prospect pool a little bit. I know Pickering's. Everyone's going to jump toward a Pickering or a. I'm Braden Yeager's too new. He's not going anywhere. We have a nope. year with Pickering at least in the organization. Um, that is the only place where I get pause on this, because uh, I I would say if you're able to swap out a different defenseman or a different prospect in some way, then you go for it. Something about your top three prospects you just don't want to touch, and that includes Yeager, Pickering, and probably Sam Poulin until he can prove himself as an NHL player. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're able to ship out number four, whoever that may be, whoever. Whoever the organization believes that is, Blomqvist. Eey. Yeah, Dang. stay away from stay away from trading goaltenders. Let's let's just put that as a blanket fact right there. Stay away yeah. from trading goaltender prospects because uh, there aren't many of them. Yeah, so maybe your top prospect skater. <laughs> yes. Uh, who again? It gets it gets weird. I mean, we have, especially the defensive side. Like like I mentioned, we have a ton of options in terms of. Uh, players who have, who have NHL experience, uh, Xavier Ouellette, Taylor Fadoon. I mean, Taylor Fadoon's not trade worthy, but you know what I mean. Will Butcher, Mark Friedman, even. Um, if you're able to find some takers and with one of those names instead of Pickering, swing away, swing away. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about those firsts, for sure. The only thing that I would be worried about with the firsts is if you make that deal. That's your deal. Like the mm-hmm. trade deadline, you're not bringing in anybody worth of massive substance. Like if you need to add a top six winger, God forbid something happens to somebody in the top six for the Pittsburgh Penguins, 
at that point, you don't really have the assets to do anything um, to bring in somebody of that stature. Uh, so would I like to keep a first rounder in that aspect? Yes. I would say take out the first rounder. Take out, because here's the thing. If, if that is the trade, how much retained salary are you getting? Because Petrie and Granlin already basically make up for, for Eric Carlson's salary. <laughs> so if you retain $5 million, then the Penguins automatically there have $5 million in cap space on top of getting Eric Carlson. So it, that gets very interesting, and that's why it, when I first looked at this, I said, wow, that's just, it's an overpay. And it is an overpay. But considering the salary cap implications, if that is what Kyle Dubas is hoping for, like, hey, we're going to get Petrie and Granlin off the books, and we're going to have $5 million in cap space after this trade is done, that becomes interesting. Yeah. But then it, then it becomes too good to be true. Uh, so at the end of the day, I also don't think San Jose would be like, yeah, we'll take on these two players with $11 million combined salary for the next two years, plus have $5 million for the next four years on retain for for Eric Carlson. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it seems too good to be true, even though it's an overpay, what it does for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe you make that deal if you're the Penguins. But at the end of the day, that does feel like, you know, not trying to big brain, it does feel like a little bit of an overpay for Eric Carlson still. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> It's a lot to move out, especially just for one player. I'm sure there'd be other small, unnoticeable assets that'd be sent back as well be, just to make NHL regulations work. Um, but it's it's also surprising that the Sharks could be asking for something like this. I mean, can they? I, we get I mean, you can see why they would be at a stalemate right now if yeah, that's what the Sharks ask. Exactly. If that's what the Sharks are asking for, that's just, that is a lot. And, I mean, Eric Carlson has already pretty much said he doesn't want to play for your team. He's already requested his <laughs> trade. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily take away from what you can ask for. But it does make other teams look at you and go, well, we're going to offer you far less than what you're asking for then because he doesn't want to be there. He's not. He doesn't want to play for you. You have to. No, you don't have to. But you should uh, go by his, by his mm -hmm. requests. So it gets it gets interesting. This does seem like a lot, but you also figure you're able to get Petrie and Granlin off the books at once. <clears throat> I think it's also really interesting. We've just had this whole conversation. It didn't mention POJ. <laughs> yeah, but and that's I, the thing. Like he, you know, POJ. It's not like he's an insignificant factor. He's an NHL caliber defenseman. But we have Ty Smith to fill the hole if we need to, or vice versa. That's we have PO Joseph to fill a Ty Smith hole if we need to, like he already has. So yeah. there's one of those two being involved. I don't see too much of an issue if both of them get involved hold on now let's pump the brakes but yeah i, I doubt penguins, both will get involved yeah i know the penguins have a, a right now a stockpile of defensemen but trading out three defensemen two of them being younger defensemen is a uh, is a wild thing to do for a 33 year old on the right side whereas uh you know petrie plays the right poj plays the left and i can't remember what side pickering plays as of right now uh, uh, before we either. move on to the next question if I take Pickering out of that deal and put Tristan Bros in there, do you make it immediately? Oh, fire away. Fire away? You don't fire care away. about the picks. You, I, don't, the, you really don't care about the picks. I didn't care about the picks until you mentioned the trade deadline because, again, like I said, I'm just looking at the right now and getting yeah. uh, a deal set in stone, getting that moving at this very moment, and then kind of digging into just having a fun firehouse hockey team that <laughs> – you know what? <clears throat> Maybe we try and outscore our problems like the Oilers for a little bit here. 
It is what it is. It's it's the end. It is the end of the careers of Karazi, Malkin, and Latang. We're getting there, um, and you are just trying to throw everything you can at one more, one more championship run. If it involves losing a couple of prospects, losing a couple of picks, and make that sacrifice, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe you spread those first first rounders out. Maybe you go, maybe you go twenty four, twenty six, if you if you can, and maintain one of them somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Then also just putting a lot of praise into into your second round picks like we've been doing for so many years now. Uh, and for what it's worth, Kyle Dubas seems to be very good with the draft and his crew at least. Uh, we'll see how these prospects we have right now pan out in the next year. It's, it's an interesting time. And when it comes to the picks, I mean, maybe you hold on. Maybe you make it a first and a second. But next season, I don't know because we don't have a third this upcoming draft. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's but it's gonna be goofy season for the Penguins soon. Yeah, it, there's a lot of I, I just don't think two firsts get involved. Like, yeah, if, if I'm the Penguins, I'm like, steep. I'm like, you don't get two firsts plus our first round pick from last year. Like, you don't get that. You can get a second. You could get two fourth round picks. You can get three fourth round picks. I don't give a crap. But you're not getting those high assets. For for Eric Carlson at the age of thirty three, yeah, uh, you're not all encompassing, and I know that they would be doing a favor with Petrie and Granlin, but at the end of the day, those are t- still NHL caliber players, just overpaid going to a team that doesn't expect to do anything for the next couple of seasons. But uh, thank you again to Gunner for the question. Uh, let's go over to Eli Welsh. Second time he has submitted a listener question. He has a good one here, saying, "Do you think there's a bias against great defensemen and goalies that don't win?" The Stanley Cup. He referenced Jerome McGinley, Marcel Dion. Everybody talks about them. Great players that don't win the Stanley Cup. Says the only exception in his mind or that he can think of is Henrik Lundqvist. Obviously, everybody's mentioned that. He also asks, do defensemen and goalies need a Stanley Cup to be considered great in the history of the NHL? Or what, what do you think about that? You know what? It sure seems like it. Especially when you look at goalies. I mean, you look at the list of the... NHL leaders, all-time leaders and wins by a goalie. I mean, Martin Brodeur, you'd look at as great. Patrick Wall, you look at as great. Fleury, Luongo, Belfour. Oh, Luongo's up there. He kind of gets the exception as well uh, mm-hmm. for not having a ring but still being one of the greatest. I mean, he's number four all-time in wins. But you quickly get to a name that, when I say the name Curtis Joseph, what do you think of? Where would you stack him up? I mean... I wouldn't say he's one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, but the I seventh all time in wins. Yeah. I mean three <laughs> seven. you just mentioned three of the top seven goaltenders of all time don't have in in wins don't have a Stanley Cup on their resume. Yeah. And I mean like we said, Luongo gets that pass, I think just because of longevity and also charisma. He was kind of one of those players that everyone knew who he was, really. On top of being a phenomenal player, he was the leader of the Vancouver Canucks team for a long time uh, on top of his other excursions. Hendrik Lundqvist gets the pass, long-time New York Rangers goalie. Uh, was in a cup final. Was in a cup final. Uh, was, an over- was an overtime goal away from having it swing in his direction. But uh, Curtis Joseph falls in at 7 with 454 career wins. That is more than Terry Sawchuk. Uh, but we don't ever discuss... Uh, Curtis Joseph as <clears throat> one of the greatest. I mean, 
within top 10 of wins is speaking for itself, especially considering some of the names he's ahead of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Hasek is only 15, and yet we look at him as possibly the greatest of all time. Yeah. Here's another name, one that, you know, for the younger audience might be an easier conversation to have. Ryan Miller's top 15 all time. Mm-hmm. Do you consider Ryan Miller Hall of Fame worthy? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But and that's the other yeah. thing, too. The, the Hall of Fame looks at goalies very weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's hard. The defenseman part is also hard, I think. The defensemen, I think, get disrespected more than the goaltenders. That's that's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say it is harder for a defenseman without a Stanley Cup than it is for a goaltender because goaltenders can steal games. Goaltenders can go on runs. Goaltenders, I mean, you you look at Henrik Lundqvist. Everybody likes to watch the guy in the big pads. And if they're great, Henrik Lundqvist, Roberto Luongo, uh, Curtis Joseph, Ryan Miller, your name gets remembered. How many people remember the name Phil Housley? Right? <laughs> That's a good point. How many people know that he is one of the one of the best defensemen in the history of hockey? Right? He's a great American-born defenseman. A lot of people that are listening to this just said, who? Borea Salming. Huh. How many people know Borea Salming's name? He didn't win a Stanley Cup. How about this? Eric Carlson. Three-time Norris Trophy winner. Hasn't won a Stanley Cup. When it's all said and done, are people going to look at him as one of the best defensemen to ever play the game? You know what? Maybe Probably not. not. Clearly yeah. not top five. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really good defensemen. Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, uh, Nick Lidstrom. Understandably, not top five. But when you start talking about the list of greatest defensemen of all time, how long do you go before you bring up Eric Carlson? Before you bring up Phil Housley, before you bring up Borea Salming. It's quite a while. It's quite a while. So, yeah, I, I agree. Like, even any of those names, would you have thought of them before Scott Niedermeyer? <sighs> forgot about I forgot about Scott Niedermeyer, honestly, because there are just so <laughs> many great ones as well. Um, no, but I'm sure Niedermeyer's name would have come up before <clears throat> in Eric Carlson. It's the it, it, it plus the NHL and hockey, at least, it's a sport of... It's still trying to figure out a way to put its feet in the ground, right? It's still trying to really grow in terms of a in terms of a national audience. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to, to grow the game? Well, you look at your forwards. You look at the guys that score the goals and make the saves. So yeah, the defensemen are going to get disrespected because they're not... Look at this fancy goal that he just scored. That's why Bobby Orr took over so much. He was an offensive-minded defenseman. That's why Eric Carlson's season became so, uh, so uh, revered and looked at. Yeah, it, he was an he was a defenseman, but he was scoring. Well, that's what you got to do. You have to score goals to win games. Yeah, you need defense to win as well, but that goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. That's a par- probably a huge reason why goaltenders and uh, defensemen get pushed to the wayside because it's about all about the forwards, the centers, the wingers that. Uh, are putting up the numbers, putting up the offensive numbers, the offensive metrics, and showing that this game can be fun to watch. You can't really have a defenseman go out there and do some fancy-dancy stuff and draw the eyes. <laughs> Why do you think every time a goalie goal happens, it's like headline news? It is yeah, because it's rare, and it is offense also. Yeah. It is him scoring. Um, I, 
It's interesting. Plus, how about a goalie that has won a cup and still gets disrespected? Chris Osgood. I mean, yeah. there's some interesting names, and especially for goalies. How about also Curtis Joseph? I just glanced at his stat line. Never even won a Vesna. Nope. Doesn't have an award to his name. He's a King Clancy to his name. That's it. <laughs> he, everywhere else, just nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of interesting stuff. But yeah, if you're not a forward, you're not the one drawing the drawing the eyes of the fans, you're not going to get the mm-hmm. respect you deserve. And maybe that's why guys like Luongo and Lundqvist get that praise because they were charismatic mm-hmm. as hell. They yeah. drew the eyes of the fans and also, at least in Lundqvist's case, played in one of the biggest markets in the world. Yeah. And Luongo played yeah. on the island for a little bit, I guess. I mean, I guess you could also look at present-day NHL and look at the youngest defenseman in the league. Who, get the, who gets the headlines? Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, offensive defenseman that can also play defense. Like, I don't want to crap on any of these guys' defensive acumen, but they're, they're known more because of their offensive abilities. Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox, Miro Haskinen, and then you get into, oh, yeah, and Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, and Owen Power. Uh, yeah, and this. And it's always, it, you know, flashy bright lights. That's what that's what people are attracted to. But hey, listen, at the end of the day, you know, Eli hit it right on the head. When you talk about play, greatest players to never win a Stanley Cup, whenever he submitted this question, which was last week, I was looking and I was like, oh, let's just look up a couple articles and see how many defensemen they include. Maybe one. Like, Henrik Lundqvist is included in all of them. Maybe Luongo gets on there every mm-hmm. once in a while. Certainly not any defenseman. Like, Phil Housley, I think, was on one. And I, I searched through, like, 20. Yeah. And there, there was no other defenseman. It was, oh, Paul Correa. It was Jerome McGinley. It was... So, a very good point. Marcel Dion included in that. Uh, so, very good point by Eli. Uh, very good discussion. Obviously, a great discussion to have in July. Um... We love we love all these listener questions. Honestly, I, the listener questions have been great since we started doing them a couple yeah. weeks back. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have two more to get to before the end of this one. A little bit longer, but uh, we hope you enjoy. Uh, we'll be back here on the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins, a proud partner of the Hockey News. This next question as we continue our long list of catching up with uh, listener questions here as I punch my laptop. Uh, Trevor Cox on Twitter. Horwat, Trevor actually joined Twitter for the express purpose of submitting a question to the podcast. He has three. He he has he is following three people on Twitter right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, and friend of the show Hunter Hodes. <laughs> he shows some good follows. He he is off to a great start. So thank you to Trevor for for going on Twitter. That is a brave thing to do. Uh, I'm sure you will soon find out that Twitter can be a hellscape. But How about joining Twitter in the time of threads, by the way. 
I, I deactivated my threads. That was, that was fast. But like, <laughs> that much... was, I was like, I am over this already. Like, I'm like, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm over it. So uh, I deactivated my threads and I'm back on Twitter just as Trevor is on Twitter as well. He says, how much of a possibility do you think there is that Granlin ends up getting bought out during the second buyout window? It's a good question. It is. And we know that Dubas said he likes to look at buyouts as a last resort option. Yep. It, and it, with the Carlson deal hanging in the balance, and like I had mentioned before, Drew O'Connor's arbitration hearing being the last day uh, doesn't do the Penguins any favors. No. Um, because let's say Carlson gets dealt to Carolina next week. And let's say we were waiting for the for the arbitration hearing. Uh, we're just SOL. There's nothing we can do about that. We have to figure out what to do then. Um, I think in that case, you'd probably just pull the trigger and buy him out. But if you can make Granlin part of the Carlson deal, I don't know. It's hard. I think think the fact that we're waiting a lot for possibly the Carlson trade to happen and probably waiting until the hearing's August 4th. Let's say the deal gets done August 5th. Oh, well, we'd have to buy him out. Buy Granlin out in the next, like, 72 hours after that. Buy him out the 5th. Deal's done the 6th. Well, I mean, you just created a great news week for everybody. But I think I bet he does just because I don't – it's – man, I don't know. I want to say he does just because it makes things so much easier on a lot of different people. And I just don't see Granlin being part of the deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Man, that's a thinker. It, it really, especially because, dude, I really don't think the Carlson deal should last until August. 4th. No, it shouldn't. That's also part of it. It really shouldn't. But I mean, I also didn't think we'd get to July 18th with it. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure what he would do. And I mean, Trevor also mentioned that. Yeah, I know that you know Duba said he doesn't like utilizing the buyout because you don't like seeing that cap space over and over and over again every single year for a player that's not on your team. And they already have that in Jack Johnson for the next, I think, three, including this season, three more seasons mm-hmm. or two more seasons, something like that. But the cap flexibility that buying him out would provide is just so valuable. You know, it, I understand. You don't want to see it. I understand. It's going to hurt in a couple years. But sometimes you just have to bite the bullet. And if the Pittsburgh Penguins don't pull through with the Eric Carlson deal, or even if they do, say they go through with the Eric Carlson deal, they make the trade work somehow, but Granlin's not part of it. He's still on the roster at $5 million. You have Carlson, but you're still right around the salary cap ceiling. I still probably would prefer the buyout. Mm -hmm. Because then you have Carlson, and then you can create $4 million in cap space. You don't have to use it this offseason. Go into the season with $4 million in cap space. And yes, I keep coming back to this, and I know, Horwat, you're going to tell me the same thing you tell me every time. I'll believe it when I see it, but the salary cap's supposed to jump. It is. Right? And yes, it hasn't the past couple years, but at this point, the, the NHL's out of dealing with the COVID losses, right? They're, they're pretty much right back on track. And now it's time for expansion. Now it's time for growth. I see the salary cap going up. And the way that you would be able to, this season and next, 
create cap space for a team that is going to be bad in four or five years anyway, like you mentioned, just do it. Like, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Now, is is the question is, how much of a possibility is it that Kyle Dubas does it? I would, again, if I'm putting percentages on it, I would say 70% he doesn't, 30% he does. Yeah, I think... I think do I think buying out Mikhail Granlin's probably the proper answer. Also, how far over the cap can you go in the offseason again? Ten percent. So that's like eight million. Ugh. Like eight million dollars. Dang. So that doesn't really help. That doesn't give the Penguins all that many favors, considering they're already a little over two over. Um, yeah, but they also have three goalies at the NHL level. Janssen would probably be sent down or placed on one of their forwards would be placed on waivers so mm-hmm. I, they could get cap compliant pretty yeah pretty i'm just trying to think like. of just trying to think of the gymnastics that kyle dubas <laughs> kind of has to do here for making a carlson deal fit while possibly still having like if you were to do a carlson deal now and still buy out grandland at the later dates what kind of gymnastics need to be done like that's part of why I'm thinking maybe we need to we need to buy him out first just to have that extra four million in space mm-hmm. to make this cap thing work for the off season because you can only go so far over. There's a lot of numbers being crunched in my head, so it's. <laughs> I think the right move is to buy him out if you can't if you can't get him part of the deal at least. Yeah, because um, the savings are just so enticing. Um. It's just hard to do the math and figure out what what San Jose is going to retain, what maybe a third team has to step in and take, but also not going over that $8 million limit during the offseason. And even if you go near that, well, suddenly you got to drop seven somewhere too, right? And then all of a sudden you have to drop more money in other places um, to get cap compliant by puck drop. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get why this trade's going to take a while. But if our but if our offer is at the ready, I mean we're we're in week three of Carlson watch, so we'll see how things play out. But I think when it comes to the Grandland buyout, it helps immensely. So I would say unless he's part of the deal, you have to you have to take up on that. I mean, the only way that I can see the Penguins being able to make the Carlson deal without Grandland, then buy Grandland out, they probably don't get that money uh, as bonus. It's probably Petrie, Ruda, that's about eight million, eight and a half million. Probably POJ, that's another million there. That's nine million, and then three million retention, and you're flat out at two million. You buy out Granlin, you're two million under the cap. Boom! There's the math. That's the math I was trying to do in my head. <laughs> but again, then it's uh, then you're out three of your current top six. You know, the whatever way you split it, three of six NHL defensemen right now. You add Carlson, but then you have what Smith and Ruweedle as your third pairing. I mean, gets interesting. Who else is down there? <laughs> Who else is down there? <laughs> you were you're like, right, uh, Friedman. Hey, we wanted to see a lot more Friedman last season. Friedman, Will Butcher. Will Butcher's maybe. down there. Which side is he though? Can I get a handedness on Will Butcher? Shoots left. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ty Smith can also play the right side, so. Love to see it. So, I don't know. It, it, again, silly season. 
in the NHL right now. He's just this is what we talk about. Random trades and this has been the the Eric Carlson episode that we haven't done, you know, we've put off for as long as we could for some reason. Uh but we do have one more question. Let let's get to this one cuz it does also deal with the Granlin buyout. Uh Thatcher on Twitter asks I want to see the Penguins get rid of Granlin for next season, but what would that mean for the second power play unit? I don't want to see Carter or Eller out there, but I'm not sure the Pens have other options for somebody to take faceoffs. Yeah, funny that we were discussing this earlier because that did become part of the discussion in my head of, well, who's playing center down on that second unit? Like, yeah, you may have Latang and or Carlson. No, sorry, Latang or Carlson there. Uh, who's playing center? Well... I, you might just not have a, ch- you might not have a choice but to say, hey Brian Rust, remember whenever you you used to play center like <laughs> fifteen years ago? Yeah, yeah. Because Lars Eller's an option. I know I hated it when they did it in the in the in, uh, during overtime, but you might not have another option other than all right, Jeff Carter, go take the face off and skate directly off the ice. We're playing three wingers. You're rolling with that. I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, it's goofy season. That's an option. Mm-hmm. If he is that good at faceoffs, that is an option. That is a strategic option. Uh, but man, is that ugly. I don't think I hate Lars Eller yeah. there, though. As if he can prove to be a net front presence, if, maybe. I don't know if he'd quite be that. I don't hate Lars Eller there to begin with. Yeah. Um, mainly because... And this is a question I'll ask you too. How concerned are you with power play two in general? So yeah, it, that's the other part of it is how concerned are we exactly? It's we mentioned especially, before they maybe get forty five seconds. Pen, yeah, especially if the Penguins get Carlson on that top unit, and even let like Latang gets down to the second unit, or even if they just add Carlson, then you know you have Raquel and Rust on the second unit to begin with. Probably POJ. I'm not really concerned with who's playing center at that point on the second power play because they're not they're going to get less than 45 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to get maybe 30 seconds because listen, the power play is not going well. We need to recharge the top 6 for once we get back to 5 on 5. Like go out there 26 seconds, whatever. And at that yeah. point you could probably just put out your third or fourth line. Yeah, and most of the time they're coming in and off the fly anyway, right? Like it's yeah, not you, like it's a whistle you got to switch uh, and take a face-off. I mean, sometimes it happens, yeah. That's why I'm thinking maybe just we'd have Brian Rust do it. Just send him in there, uh, but then go full bore and try to get the puck back if you lose. Um, I think because it's on the fly, I think you could get away with three wingers. I really do, especially because it's the second unit. You're not putting that much emphasis on it. I mean, you're obviously putting something there, but... Um, Brian Rust has the history of it. He has the ability to do it, especially as on a second-line basis. Then um, you go with the forwards of Rust, Riley Smith, and Ricard Raquel, maybe. I mean, we're, uh, we're not bad. That's not a bad situation there. It's not, but here's the last thing I'll say as well. I mean, no, don't care about second power play, but also... What's everybody have against Lars Eller specifically yeah. in an offensive role? The guy has scored 10 goals at least every season since 2013-14, except 2020-21 when he played 44 games and scored eight. As a second power play center, 
surrounded by, like you mentioned, Rust, Raquel, whoever's on defense, whether that's POJ, Latang if he's bumped down for Carlson, Ty Smith, potentially. That's a that's a decent second power play, and at the end of the day, isn't that all you need, right? So yeah. I don't I, I don't get the hate for for Eller. I certainly do not put him in a class with Jeff Carter. Correct. Um, but you know, I'm again, and we both said this, not all that concerned about the second power play unit. Second penalty kill, yes. Second power play, not very much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I think it's I think anyone anyone can sit there. You know, if you need to take a draw, then maybe you do have to just throw Carter out, send him right off. You know, it's firehouse hockey, ladies and gentlemen. And I know we're running very over here, but once he resigns, Drew O'Connor played third line center for Team USA at the World Championships. (laughs) Did a pretty good job of it, too. Wouldn't hate it. Yeah, no, I like it. Give him a shot. He's young. He's hungry. Give him a shot. Firehouse hockey, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's goofy season. We're here discussing all of the things. <laughs> all of the things. I hope everybody enjoyed that, what, 7-6 to six game against the Florida Panthers? Because that might be the uh, the rule and not the exception next season. Hey, you know what? And, the, and you know what? Everyone did enjoy that game. It, yeah, they did. That was uh, Chris Letang's return game. Two goals, two assists, including the OT winner. That was great. That was a fun it was a fun game. It was a frustrating game because there was no... It wasn't even that there was no defense. There was no goaltending being played. It was Alex Lyon before he got good. Yeah. And it was, what, Dustin Tokarski slash Casey DeSmith? Was that who was in that for the Penguins? I think so, yeah. And what was one of the more fun games the season before? That was like January 2nd against, I think, the Sharks. Whenever it was Penguins up 5 nothing after the first, and it was like 5-5 five to five after the second or something stupid like that. Was that this season? That was I said the season before. Oh, okay. I was gonna say my perception of time is is out the window if that was this season. No, yeah, but no. Okay, sorry, I did not hear you say that. All good, but I I mean people loved that game because it was just entertaining as all hell. It was. It was. Firehouse hockey. I think uh, I have to find it now. Everybody loved it except for Mike Sullivan. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, because didn't it's... Evan Rodriguez score a hat trick in that game? That's right. It was the Rodriguez hat trick game. Because it was like the first period, and he had all three of them. Yeah. Oh, my uh, goodness. So, you know, it all comes back to the San Jose Sharks and Eric Carlson. That's uh, that's what this episode was in its entirety. But uh, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be back later this week with a new episode, maybe some news to talk about, likely not any news to talk about. But we will see you then regardless. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you.